When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and I'm excited to kick off the new season of The Family Brain after taking a short break after my COVID-focused episodes, I think we'll still be talking about COVID because it's still here. And this episode, I'll be talking with Sherriana Boyle, who is a emotional detox coach. She's also the author of eight books. She presents and she writes articles all about processing your emotions. She says, emotions aren't bad. They're important, but what's most important is the processing of your emotions. And I think that if anything, these crazy days have shown us that we all need to process our emotions. And I, for one, know I have had a wider spectrum of emotions than typical during this sort of unstable phase in our history. So I hope you enjoy listening to Sherriana. She has such wisdom to share, and she will give you also resources to learn more about her and to get more in-depth information. Thanks for listening. Hi, Sherriana. Thank you so much for joining me on The Family Brain today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So I was excited to read a little bit about your work and what you're doing to help people with emotions and anxiety and all kinds of different things. But I was just curious how you originally got interested in this work. How did you first, Mm -hmm. I I know things tend to take twisty paths, but what would you say sort of ultimately led you to this place? Well, I had written a book called Mantras Made Easy, and I published that, I think it was uh, in June. In that a few years ago. And when I was writing that book, I had several mantras going. So I always get really invested in whatever I'm writing about. So I had like maybe three mantras going. And once you really study mantras, you learn that it's, it's a practice of devotion and you repeat them. And I was using mala beads and I was taking walks and I was repeating these mantras. At the end, I submitted the the book and it was published and I was going on with my life and I just thought, you know, I'm going to take a break from writing. I'm just going to kind of 
do my thing. And, and then all of a sudden, just emotional detox just came loud and clear. And I remember walking out of the gym with my girlfriend and I said, emotional detox. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, it's going to be my next book. And she goes, Oh, interesting. And then I started really just getting curious about emotions and, and wanting to know more. And I really believe it was from that mantra practice. I think the, the energy just was opening up things that I wasn't looking at previous. I've always been interested in emotions, but not to the degree that I dove into them with with this book, Emotional Detox and Emotional Detox for Anxiety. And then I just wrote another book in, in that same subject matter. So it's just incredibly deep. It's interesting because I was reading about your work on mantras and it makes me realize I need to learn more about them because I find mm-hmm. in my work, in working with clients, I'll sometimes kind of lead them to that. Like if you're in a difficult circumstance, what's something you can sort of ground yourself with? And I know that's basically a mantra, but I don't know that much about mantras specifically. So I'm curious to learn more about that. So I'll have to check out your book. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I felt the same way. I felt like I was, because I also teach yoga and I felt like I was teaching them and I had other people who would give them, suggest them to me. I would suggest them to clients, but I felt like I just needed to learn a little bit more. And I'm glad I did because it really is it's a practice that's thousands and thousands of years old and it's worth getting to know that the history of mantras and you really, it takes on another level. So I completely see, I I felt the same way before I wrote the book. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think when people, I'm guessing if we feel that way and I'm guessing when people hear that word mantra, they think, woo, you know, but you really get back to it. And it's something that you, that helps ground your mind and your body when it starts. And I'll tell you what, the circumstances as of late, I think we've all needed whatever tool is available. I, I will tell you that once I thought of emotional detox, and this is the other half to that story of when you said, well, what got you to write this book? So when I heard that title, I started researching on emotions. I mean, I really dove deep. And then about six weeks after that, I was hit with the biggest emotional crisis of my life. And so I believe in looking back now that those mantras prepared me. I was guided to write that book. It wasn't just, oh, I'm curious about mantras. I'd like to know a little bit more about Mm -hmm. mantras, which I did. But now I know that the universe was supporting and guiding me because I was going to get hit pretty hard about eight months later. So I believe that that was divinely orchestrated. And if I didn't have that behind me, I don't think I could have written this book in this way. I think it would have sounded a lot different than the way that it came out. Mm. Probably feels more from the core instead of just the observer of things from the inside. Exactly. What, um, if you could sum up what emotional detox means to you or what, if you're, if you're sort of trying to give people an idea of what Mm -hmm. it is, what, what do you tell people? Well, after being hit with, with that, and I talk about that in the core book, I call it the core book, emotional detox that tells my story of 
what I was hit with, how I dealt with it. And it was really a blessing in disguise because I had to really create a foundation for this because for me at that time in my life, the other stuff that I had learned was not working. And like I said, I've been teaching, I've been, I've been teaching yoga for 18 years. So back then I'd been at it for a while. I had a lot of tools. I'm also in the field of psychology. I used to be a school psychologist. So I've been in this world for over 20 years, tons and tons of trainings, tons of tools. None of them appealed to me. And I knew at that point, this wasn't going to look the same way for me. And I believe it's because after I really researched emotions and I learned about them, some of the tools and strategies, it's not that they're, they didn't work. It's just, I didn't have the mindset in the way to use them in a way that could help me process my emotions. So to answer your question, what an emotional detox is, it's based on the, the foundation that all emotions are good so long as we process them. All emotions are good so long as we process them. They're in my belief system in developing the emotional detox and the framework that I write about is that there is no bad emotion. A lot of what I had to develop was this idea of, is this really an emotion or is this a reaction? And most of the time, it's a reaction. Mm -hmm. And the reason we treat them like emotions is because we've just been trained that way. We've been trained that this one makes me feel angry and this one makes me feel good. And what I see is when you truly process your emotions, you feel calm, you feel love, you feel grounded, you feel centered. And if I'm not feeling that, I'm in a reaction. I was listening to one of your podcast episodes this morning and you were talking about that, that about being in reaction. And I just had this like flashing before my eyes of various Facebook moments where I'm in reaction. And, and I, <laughs> I feel like I've gone through that process. Is it almost necessary to sometimes get in reaction to then like kind of learn and grow from it? Or, or, or are there people who can just kind of, be in that centered place continually. Cause I feel like sometimes I grow. I mean, I grow from those moments cause I'm like, Ooh, I, I can't keep doing this, you know? And so I have <laughs> to figure out how to process it. But, um, but it seems like I keep getting in these sticky situations before I grow. Yeah. Well, what I've learned through the processing of emotions is that the growth will be accelerated. It's not, it's not like you're not growing the other way. I was growing the other way. I was definitely growing before I wrote these books. I had other books. I had a lot of growth from all of them and all the experiences, but this is a different kind of growth. This is a real, I think the biggest thing that you learn is you learn to trust and you learn to listen. You're asked the question, do you grow from reactions when they're processed? So when it comes to an emotional detox, we're not getting rid of our emotions. What we're doing is we're detoxing reactions. So we could use your Facebook example of having an initial reaction. And that's happening to a ton of people. And that still happens to me as well, Megan. I see things and sometimes I'm just like, you know, I know nobody can see me right now, but I just want to stick my finger down my throat and say, give me a break, right? 
<laughs> like some things I'm just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, like, really, it's just too much, too much. Right. So, um, so when you have a reaction, that's a sign that there's an emotion right behind it looking to be processed. So yes, knowing your, it's a reaction is extremely valuable. Choosing to process it, go to that next step is going to help you to really accelerate on this planet. And you're going to bebop around and you're going to be like, yeah, there's a coronavirus and yeah, there's all this stuff going on, but man, do I feel love today. <laughs> Boy, am I just filled with gratitude. And that's what the, the planet needs right now. Now, is it, is it, is it all the time? I mean, I still get what I call triggered, but I'm far more in that place of, of love and gratitude and groundedness. I mean, it's really minimal, um, minimal. And usually it's because of something with my kids, (laughs) right? (laughs) Something like that, but it's usually not something that, you know, the, what's going on in the world. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like these different situations, kids also, I mean, Mm -hmm. kids, I think are often our greatest teachers because you think you've, you know, you've elevated to another level and then your child helps you realize, no, there's still plenty of work to do. Um, But I feel like during this coronavirus time and all of the adjustments we've had to make, I've learned a lot about myself and about my triggers outside of my children, you know, and it's, um, I keep saying I'm, I'm good. I'm done with my lessons. Like class is over. Um, but <laughs> I really look back and I'm like, Oh wow. I, I learned some things. I would never have asked for those lessons. Like, please pile them up. But, um, it's, it's probably been good in, in a lot of ways. I couldn't agree more. I've de- we've definitely learned a lot about ourselves as a family. I think there's, if anything, we've learned to just go a little easier on each other and take, take the expectations down a notch or two and, and know that everybody's doing the best that they can and how important it is to take time outside of the house, right? I think we've learned the value of going outside in nature and going out to eat. I mean, gosh, yeah. boy, that's a treat now, right? I know. Restaurant I, found my, is- <laughs> I, I found myself excited to take the trash out the other day. Just, just to get out, like, just like, I'll be back. I'll be taking the trash out. It might take a while. <laughs> I love it. It's so true. Yeah. Just sitting in the sun for a minute and breathing the air in and wearing our sweats all day. <laughs> um, so in terms of uh, women and what I've been you know, in, in the current situation and in the past, it's nothing new. A lot of times women often feel like they're holding the family together. In your work with women, what do you see? And like, are there any common themes that come up in terms of like emotional detox or ways of letting go of certain emotions that help them in their role as sort of this family keeper together person? Yeah, I think one of the themes that I see that we that we cleanse cleanses the seven steps of an emotional detox. It's an acronym, so I place it in seven steps. The one of the main themes for women is this real control of loss, wanting to control loss or wanting to control pain. 
and more specifically in their children or their loved ones or their community. So feeling so bad if somebody else is, is hurting. And I think for women, you know, we're just naturally in tune to that and, and men too. I don't think they talk about it as much, but definitely have that. And so when that happens, it, you know, it can look like, oh, I feel so bad and oh, oh my gosh. And we put something on Facebook or we, you know, text something and it's a, it's a way that they manage those uncomfortable feelings of, of loss, which are so important for people to process because on the other side of loss is gain, right? On the other side of loss is, is victory, is success, is restoration, is recovery. So when we want to monitor, you know, our children's, you know, if our children lose a friendship or maybe they didn't get invited somewhere, or maybe the loss of having them in school. I mean, it is, we're all getting hit with a lot of quote unquote loss right now. And it's real. And I'm not saying it's, it, it is important to acknowledge it, but there's a real difference between Megan between controlling and acknowledging. And that's something I find that when you process your emotions, you really get that. But before processing them, it's going to look like busy, right? It, a lot of women stay busy or they rant in their head or they, oh my gosh, I got to do this. Or I got to do that. Or, or, and so acknowledging is, is feeling, Mm -hmm. right? It's truly feeling and, and honoring. There's a, there's a sense of honor that when we bring that in and we allow us ourselves to process, you will feel honor come through where we're honoring what we feel. We honor the transitions. We honor the process. We, we honor the, the, the growth and development and the change. And I think when that happens, people, feel completely differently and they connect in ways that they never thought that they could. They're deeper and they're more authentic. And then you build yourself up from that space. I know you talk a little bit about faith and the universe and sort of interchangeable, mm -hmm. but that there's something bigger outside of us. How do you communicate that to people? Because I'm, I'm guessing you have people coming from all different faith backgrounds, sure. maybe, maybe limited faith as well. But I yeah. keep, I've noticed myself lately when people are like, well, how do you deal with that? And I mean, there's certain things that are helpful, but then ultimately for me, it's faith that something bigger is happening outside of me. Because if yeah. it was all about me, ooh, that's a lot of pressure. But how do you communicate that to people to help people feel like you're sort of yeah. whatever they have going. I think most people, what I find, regardless of where they come from, and some people are really turned off and some people are really committed and devoted. I find no matter who I talk to, and I've talked to atheists and worked with atheists, and that there still is a belief there in a, some spiritual connection. And maybe it's not based on a certain religion or dogma, but it, but I have found more often, even with those that say, well, I, I don't have faith or I'm turned off by faith. I find that it's there <laughs> underneath. Once you start processing, it does come through. And Emotional Detox, the core book that tells my story, I will say I did 
turn to God. I have a lot of scripture in that book. And the reason I put it in there was because it was helping me. It really was. And I had to be authentic and real that this is, this is the kinds of things I was looking at. This was what was, and I wasn't studying, but it was helping me. And that, and now that I've written a few of these on the emotional detox, I really, I really see that it's really love, right? It's just pure love that people are open to that anything of a real divine loving nature is is what we're aiming for that you don't even have to name it that you can feel it and you don't have to get all tied up in anything um you can feel it after i listened to your podcast i listened to brene brown's most recent podcast and she was talking uh-huh. to an episcopalian he's the leader of the episcopalian church reverend uh-huh. curry and um he was talking they were talking about very similar things. And I feel like you, it's, it's fun when you see this thread coming through and it really seems like the thread is love, you know, that that you can talk about all these different things, but ultimately Mm. you're trying to work your way back to that. And it's not always easy. I mean, it's not Mm. always easy to come from a place of love when hard things happen. Definitely not. But again, I will say that if, if, without love, you're probably in a little bit of reactivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and there's levels of reactivity. There's ones that have just this quiet little murmur and they exist and maybe they don't always reveal themselves, right? We look kind of calm and chill, but yet it could spike at any time. And so when you're in that space of love, there's, there's no, there's no, it just is. And it, and it really is a, a space of wholeness that's what it feels like you feel whole and you feel um, you feel fulfilled you don't really need anything and I think that's what we're realizing with this virus is that we we probably need a lot less than we thought we did Mm -hmm. (laughs) right we're learning of what's what matters right now yes I agree uh, are we allowed to know what the seven <laughs> the seven things? <laughs> sure. What is it? An, an, yeah. an acronym. I don't say that word very often. An acronym. Yeah. My yeah. right? So when yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> when I when I went through my emotional crisis, because that's really what it was. It wasn't just me, by the way. It was my entire family. So it, you know, when you're a mom and you're in crisis, everybody's in crisis, right? So the whole family was in crisis and it wasn't just for a couple of weeks. It was for quite a long time. It was, we would, we were in sort of crisis management for probably a couple, couple years, you know, it was that kind of level of, of trauma. And so um, the steps came about because I couldn't, remember anything, Megan, I, when you're in trauma, you know, your memory is shot. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I was supposed to make that appointment mm-hmm. today. Oh yeah. You know, I, yeah. I forgot to do that again. And it's really a self-esteem, you know, goes down the toilet. Cause you're like, oh my God, like they must think it's such a neglectful mm-hmm. mom right now. Right. And you don't want to tell everyone your business. So I said, there needs to be an acronym because mm-hmm. people need a quick, easy way to remember these steps. So it's cleanse. So the first, the first is C, which is clear reactivity. And that is some strategies for really helping you to get centered, right? Number one, getting centered. Then the second step is L, which is look inward. 
look inward is I offer some stem sentences, some ways that you can identify what you're feeling without getting into the narratives or the stories. So there's a way to do that to support people because that's what we do. We want to, once we start talking about our feelings, all of a sudden we're back in it again and we're getting all worked up, right? And now we're feeling like, oh, this is not, this doesn't feel good, right? To rehash all of this. So that's the L step. The E is called emit. That is where I inserted a mantra because I had done all the research on mantra. I absolutely knew what there needed to be a mantra in the formula. So um, it was a matter of what mantra it was. So I picked the mantra for enlightenment so that nobody would be offended, right? I didn't want to pick anything that made anyone feel like they were practicing some kind of religion. Mm -hmm. So it's the hum. We all hum. We can all, you know, no offense there. Little did I know the hum research, tons of incredible hum research. I researched some of it. I researched more since it's incredible. So the hum is there. The next step is A, which is activate. So after you hum, and I teach people how to do that and using the breath, then it's about now you're visualizing. Now you have the ability to imagine a life or, or connecting to something that's greater, like you asked, connecting to a feeling that's greater, connecting to the possibilities that are there for you. And then the end is nourish. And that is about how do I bring this into my daily life? How do I communicate in this frequency? What, how would my language change? But in the formula, N is really, okay, I see it, but can I feel it, right? So it's one thing to see a very calming picture. Can I go that extra step? And can I feel that state of calm? Can I feel that? state of resiliency. And then the S is surrender. And surrender is about free will, which I learned a lot about free will. And that's a statement of you have to choose it. So everybody, you know, you're a therapist, we can give you all the tools in the world, right? And as parents, we give our children. So most parents are giving their children lots of tools, lots of ideas. But at the end of the day, guess who has to use them? And we can't make them, right? We can't make other people. We have to choose it ourselves. And that is your most powerful position when you say, well, I'm going to, I choose it now. So that surrender is your surrender, meaning I'm going to stop fighting this, right? And we know it with a lot of us moms, kids, if you say, if they just stop resisting me and just, right? And we know that when we surrender and allow, because that's really what surrender is, is take, allowing your free will to choose it. And then ease is the I am. So that's when you become. So it's not no longer outside of you, that choice. It's, it's who you are. This is your vibration. I am that. And that's really how everything gets integrated in the end. I love that. And I love how you put it together in a framework, because when you're feeling terrible, it's yeah. have something concrete. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I think sometimes I read all these different things and it's, it, I love, that's beautiful. Like, I love that it's something you can almost hold on to. Um, and yeah. if people are listening and want to know more about this, I mean, you're just covering the tip of the iceberg here. What's, what's a way yeah. that they can learn more about these different strategies? Sure. I mean, the, 
the emotional detox for anxiety was put out after uh, the core book. So both of those books, the core is going to really explain what it is and where it came from. And I think for me, now I look back and I realize sometimes I grab onto tools, but there's something about knowing how that tool came to be in the world. And I think there is value of when you read emotional detox to know that that tool, that cleanse, it, it came from pure love. And so that will give you that as far as the exact steps and the way that I use them, that didn't come out until the second emotional detox for anxiety. So if you're looking for a step one, step two, that that's going to be in that book because people with anxiety really need that. Right. They, they don't want, <laughs> they don't want the, the, the song and the dance. They want the, yeah. just give me the goods. Right. Yes. So, yes. So Especially I when you're in a, I just raised my hand. That's why she was laughing because I, during, I mean, I, I have anxiety to begin with, but during coronavirus, Oh, there was a period. Well, I think it was May. It was just, that's when I was like, give me all the tools, like just put them in a box and put them by my door, you know? Yeah. Sorry. I didn't yeah. So that, not at all. That second one. And then of course, listening to the podcast, as you know, like what you do that I do those things. I have the radio show, emotional detox and healthy life.net. I promote other people on there, a big part of the show, but there's a last segment. I think you listen to my podcast. So I, I have did. two things that. Yeah, I have a, I'm on a healthylife.net radio and then there's the podcast that has some things. So there's two ways and it really is. It's just about staying in the conversation, listening to the conversations, like what you and I are having here is about, you know, slowly digesting and, and absorbing a new way to say, to see things and you will get it, but those two books will be of great service to you. Yeah, I think you, that's so true is staying in the conversation because I think it's easy to see those points, understand those points, but it's also easy to lose them very quickly if you're not in a space or with other voices that are sort of working on things similarly. You know, it's easy to sort of start going down a different path. Yeah. I noticed you have a Facebook group also. I do. I mean, my, uh, my Facebook page is author Sherrianna Boyle. And then I have the Instagram, which is Boyle, And it's really, and then the website, of course, SherriannaBoyle.com. Uh, and, and there I, I do have a, I do have a uh, audio meditation on SherriannaBoyle.com that will help them as well. So if you go and register, you get that meditation and and, um, and I'm always collaborating with people like you, you know, and working and, and joining their communities, because I think that's important too, is not always just getting people to my, my neck of the woods, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really enjoying, I just was working with a, someone else who has a whole community and I just kind of went in as a guest and, and we did some work with the cleanse and, and it's really nice to be able to have those opportunities to, um, to kind of mix and mingle in, within communities. Yeah. But I mean, social media has a lot of issues, but there is so much upside in being able to be a part and support and share resources with people who wouldn't have them otherwise. So it's great. 
Um, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking is I know a lot of moms, women struggle, myself included, to make sure they're doing things for themselves. And one of the things I've noticed is the more that mom or caretaker does for herself, it benefits everyone in terms of modeling it. What have you seen in terms of parents, women, moms, learning this work and then transmit, not transmitting, but modeling it for their children or bringing it to their children? So my, my focus is always empowering and empowering women, men and women first, right? Getting them to really understand this. So, so for example, I was just working with a, a woman just a couple of hours ago and she's actually a grandmother um, and she's a mother. And so what she's learning is how she might, again, give unsolicited advice or it, it, it's really about learning how do you interrupt her emotional processing, right? So we feel something as moms, we feel our children, we feel other people, we feel their angst, we feel their worry. And then we want to do something about that. It's uncomfortable, right? And so what she's learning and what I'm empowering her is how that actually interrupts their own children's ability to heal and grow. So once you make that connection, you're less likely to hop in so quick. Mm. So it does inadvertently give you a little bit more time for yourself, right? So if you're not like a hot potato jumping all over the place mm -hmm. and you're not the one that has to like make everything better, you do, you do, find that, wow, I have a little bit more time to focus on me. And it really does begin with you. So that's that first step of the cleanse. The advantage of that step is it kind of allows you to say, you know what, I'm in everybody's world, <laughs> right? I'm a little bit everywhere. There's like pieces of me scattered all over the place. And so I always say with that very first step, the clear reactivity, is about, okay, I am choosing to come right back, right in me, right here, right now, and, and get centered, and then focus on what I feel. Because if I start, and I'm scattered, and I start focusing on what I feel, I'm going to be all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I might not even trust what I feel. And I might, and I might say things and hear myself say things and, that don't even really match me. So it just gets really messy that way. So I find the cleanse is a self-care system. And like any practice, you want to do it every day, if you, the best you can. I run through it every day. Of course, I run through it a lot because I teach it. But, but I, for myself, I'm always, always amazed. I'm also always amazed at how much emotional processing gives me solutions like that. Like I'll have something weighing on me and I'll sit down and I'll do the cleanse and I'll be like, why the heck didn't I think of that before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. I could have just avoided all this extra stuff. Right. And right when I start processing, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I can see it so differently. Mm -hmm. And it just cuts right to it. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. problem solved. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it sounds like it's like brings you to the core of the issue and you're not looking at all the sideshows. I think that's what happens to me. Too. It's like, I see, you know, that I think of it like it's circus, like there's all the things going on and it's just, yeah. it's distracting. It's hard to see clearly. Yeah. And you know, it's not, it, it's not, I always say it's not perfect, but it is an opportunity. So if you lose it on one of your kids, you know, I, I let, I'll just give you, can I have time for one example? Sure. Okay. I'll give you one example. So I'm going to bed and I have three children, two of them are teenagers. And for whatever reason, my two oldest girls constantly color their hair different colors, right? That's their thing. They're beautiful. They look great. It's very original, all this. But last night the blue dye came out and I was going to bed and all I could hear those voices in my head, that dye is going to be all over my towels all over the fresh paint that my husband, you know, just painted. And, and so I'm in reactivity and I'm, you know, sparking at the girls and now they're barking at me and everybody's, you know, and now I go to bed and I'm pissed. Right. I'm like, I'm so sick of, and now everything's coming up. Right. And then sure enough, I, in the morning I get up, I'm like, okay, I know what this cleanse is going to be about. Right. I know exactly what I need to be processing. And I just took some time to really process what that felt like to walk into that and how it makes me feel and, and how I've been feeling. And I, it always amazes me, even with the work I do, how much we push down during the day, how much we don't want to say something because we don't want to rock the boat or we don't want to start a conflict. So what do we do as women? We push it down, right? And then when does it come out? It comes out at the worst times, right? And, and then you feel like crap. So, and everybody's affected. So I just processed it. And then, you know, we all had a nice little hug this morning and, and you learn and you, and you grow, but it, it is a wonderful tool for the differences. I don't beat myself up for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I don't carry it around. Right. I don't, I don't say, uh, go to my friends. Oh, I have a confession. I was a horrible mother this morning. I will not, or last night, I will, will not be winning mother of the year. Right. So I, I don't do that. I don't make an announcement, you know, or I just am able to let it go. How do you see, I was thinking a lot about, um, while you were talking, how this connects with boundaries, like, it seems like it would be very useful to use in conjunction because I think sometimes it's like, you can't set a boundary unless you know what's, what's going on with you. Yes, because boundaries are triggering, right? Again, you're not getting rid of your emotions. You're getting rid of reactions. Reactions are driven by triggers. Triggers are memories. Tr- triggers can be conscious and unconscious memories of a time when you felt that same feeling, but you never allowed yourself to process it. Instead, mm-hmm. you, learn, instead you developed ways that this is all an emotional detox for anxiety, both books. Um, instead, you develop ways of coping. And, and some of those ways are ways that you'll be clearing now <laughs> when you choose to, because they're, they might have served you when you were young, but they're most likely not serving you now. So, so when we, you know, things like perfection, things like withdrawal, things like eating instead of feeling or, um, avoiding or putting ourselves down or whatever it is that we did 
to manage what we were feeling is coming up now and it can't be pressed down anymore. The universe just won't let it happen. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just go with the flow and let yourself start to process. You'll have a lot less aches and pains. You'll have a lot less strain on your life because let's face it, to push something down, you got to, you got, there's like, it's like you're, it's like you're always working, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're never, you're working 24 seven, trying to hold it all together. And when you're, when you start processing, you, you're not working. And in fact, you, you have more stamina and you can do things for longer and you can be focused. I am loving all of this and I am going to check out all the resources that you mentioned and um, continue to learn. What is, this is one of the things I, first I wanted to ask you, is there anything you wanted to say that I haven't asked you about? I'm not sure. I, there's so much to say. There's so much to say. I know your podcast is a great (laughs) place to get, I mean, it's a wealth of information. I'm excited that now I'm listening to it because I'm going back to all the different episodes and that's fun to discover. And it, and yeah, that one's going to, and we're going to keep going. We haven't put a new one on there, but there is going to be um, new shows soon, but you'll have to register so I can tell you where to go on my website okay. because I actually am going to do a show where it's before and after the cleanse. So it's oh, kind cool. of interesting. Yeah. yeah so, what, what, so we're going to have a conversation and then my, the one I'm doing the show with, we're going to get off and cleanse I and mean, I'm going five minute cleanse I'm not doing a long cleanse we get back on and you get to hear how we change that's exciting I love that yeah um, yeah it's like a good yeah. tv show if anybody's listening and wants a tv show <laughs> it does. That, it, I would watch it, that show my husband would probably not watch uh, with me but I would watch that show um oh yes that would be fun anyway so the last question I typically ask people is what is the, your, I'm guessing I might know, but what is your um, like sort of non-negotiable self-care activity that you do that keeps your brain feeling healthy? Oh, what's non-negotiable is uh, my coffee and the cleanse. I mean, yeah. I, it's as soon as I get that cup of coffee in my hand, bring me the cleanse and it comes before anything. And, and I probably, the second was writing. Um, yeah, I love to write. I love, I, that's why I do it. It's because it really brings me joy. So yeah, that's non-negotiable. I love that. Well, I was laughing when you said earlier that I decided I wasn't going to write anymore. And I'm like, well, that didn't seem to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I meant like for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Different different metrics for different people. Yeah. Yeah. I write every day. So it's sometimes I need to take a little break, but I enjoy it a lot. That's awesome. Well, it's been so fun talking to you and I'm excited to continue to check out all the things you're doing. And thanks for sharing your work with my listeners. Oh, thanks for having me. I hope you liked listening to Sheriana and learning from her as much as I did. I think I've said this before, but sometimes I think, oh, maybe I'm kind of done with podcasting. Maybe I've covered the bases. And then I talk to someone like Sheriana Boyle and I think, no, there's so much more for me to learn. And I love talking to people who help me think about things in a different way. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you would like to learn more about The Family Brain, check us out, thefamilybrain.com or at Family Brain Podcast on Instagram. That seems to be where I keep things going the best. I also have a Facebook group, The Family Brain Podcast. 
Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.